Jesus walks with me on my
Hi, Door of Hope. This is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. Just have a few updates to share with you before we get to the teaching time today. First of all, I just want to acknowledge that, man, in a season of, of unprecedented things, we, we, I was just joking about this with some of the staff, uh, we're all getting kind of sick of the word unprecedented, an unprecedented pandemic, unprecedented unrest in our city. Now we can add an unprecedented fire situation in our whole state, really the whole Northwest, well, the whole West Coast, but particularly very close to home for many of us in Oregon. Even in the, over the course of, of these last days of, of, of this week, uh, it wasn't even on my radar personally. And in less than 24 hours from when I became aware of this, I have my, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, and sister-in-law all sleeping in my living room because they had to leave the sweet home area where they live because of fire danger. I know many of you are experiencing something similar. We all have friends or loved ones that are in the path of these incredibly fast spreading fires. It's heartbreaking and it's exhausting in the middle of so many other things that are already going on. So I just wanna encourage you, if you're not already, please, Pray for everyone involved. Pray for everyone affected. Pray for everyone involved in, in fighting these fires and the first responders who are trying to do their best to keep people out of harm's way and can't even get to fighting the fires yet. Uh, and, and we just throw it out there that I don't know exactly what we can do as a church. This is another yet another huge crisis that has caught us off guard. Uh, but, but if there's anything that we can do as a church leadership to support or encourage or be involved, like please don't hesitate uh, to reach out to us. Contact info for everything is on uh, the website. Um, beyond that, I, I do have a couple practical things to share. And, and the first is I just want to announce again and, and give a little bit more information on our new Sunday small gathering that is going to start one week from today. It's going to start uh, Sunday afternoon. September the 20th, and registration will launch today. We're going to put up a new registration page each week after we get done with the Sunday service uh, that we'll, so, so folks can sign up for the following week. Uh, many have asked, what, what can we expect? Uh, well, it's going to feel a little different. We're going to require masks according to uh, state guidelines across all organizations and indoor gatherings. Masks will be required for entry. We're going to keep uh, attendance to around 50. We're going to maintain social distancing primarily on the floor of our main kind of sanctuary room. We're going to close the downstairs and just keep it to one area so it'll be easier to clean in that way which can easily accommodate that number of people. But, but besides that it should feel very familiar. It, we will have songs, we will gather, we will sing, there will be teaching, it will be an opportunity for uh, you to connect with each other, and I know so many of you have missed that, I've missed it, I've never been apart from gathered worship this long uh, in almost my whole life growing up uh, in the church. So, so uh, another question is, what about the, the, the sermon video? Uh, that's going to change a little bit uh, from what we have been offering. Thus far, we have been capturing the sermon each week midweek so that we can roll it out at a specific time Sunday morning. Ultimately, our goal is to live stream the Sunday morning uh, small service that we're, we're going to actually hold, um, but we're not going to be, we're not quite ready to do that yet. We've 
this is not what we've been doing at Door of Hope. Uh, we didn't have a background in video streaming, so we have to get our stuff together. We're in the process of that right now. Um, we hope to be uh, able to, to offer that uh, very soon in, in the coming weeks. Uh, until then, we'll capture the sermon uh, at the Sunday morning service, and then we'll put it out as soon as we can later in the day on Sunday. So there's going to be a little bit of a delay from Sunday morning for a while, but then eventually you'll be able to see a live stream, and that recording will be up until we replace it with a more polished, edited recording of the Sunday morning service. So uh, I hope you sign up. I hope it, this becomes an opportunity that, that many of you who want to gather will have the opportunity to do so and cycle through, and we'll be able to start to, to see one another and just, just connect a little bit more uh, as we used to every week. Uh, lastly, just want to give a quick shout out for community groups. Uh, community groups usually at Door of Hope run from September through May and then take a break over the summer. But in this time where we haven't been able to meet, we felt it was really important uh, to continue community groups. And many of them did continue through the summer. Uh, and as it's very understandable, uh, having gone now for over a year, many of them, uh, Folks are getting a little tired, a little burnt out. Some of the groups are, are anxious to, and just planning to totally continue. Some need to take a break. But we have lots of, of other folks that are still looking to connect to groups. And so we really need, if at all possible, to find more community group leaders. So if you have, have been at Door of Hope for a while and you've been in a community group before and you've ever thought about leading a community group or being involved in, in leadership of a community group, or hosting, uh, we really could use your help. And you can uh, email the general uh, Door of Hope address or specifically reach out to our community group's pastor, Pip Craighead, which is just pip, P-I-P, at doorofhopepdx.org. That's a lot of P's, but um, uh, just reach out to Pip, and uh, we would love to get you into to that process. So, uh, check out the sign-up for the new Sunday Small Service. We hope to see you there soon. Also, remember, there's all kinds of other things, Bible studies, other activities, a bunch of new things for women's ministry that are about to launch. All of that information can be found on our website. Why don't you just join me in a quick prayer before we transition to our teaching time. Father, unprecedented just seems to be the word that keeps coming to mind. There is so many things going on right now. Things stacked on things, anxieties on anxieties, concerns on concerns. But we take comfort in knowing that none of this is a surprise to you. And, and we take comfort in knowing that you can identify with us and are with us so closely, more closely than any other human being ever could because you know us from the inside out. And there's even a sense in which I was struck when I was praying about it this week, Father, that, that, that while these are unprecedented times for us, in some ways, some of the things we're struggling with now resemble a lot closer the circumstances that we see in the Bible, in the Old Testament people of God, and the New Testament people of God. Father, we just ask that you would draw us closer to yourself in the midst of all this, that we would be agents and representatives of your peace and your love and your confidence in a time of unparalleled insecurity. We just ask that, that through us, the world around us would see Jesus more clearly. And it's in his name that we pray this. Amen. Well, hello, Door of Hope. It's good to be with you today. Uh, we are continuing in our study of the seven deadly sins, 
And today we are going to be considering avaricia, uh, which the classic uh, word for it was covetousness, um, but I think that that can often be confused with envy, which we will consider next week. Uh, so a better way of framing it is thinking of it in terms of greed. It's having, but never having enough. And obviously this builds on gluttony. Um, and so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. It's the parable of the rich fool. And I will uh, begin by reading this passage together. So Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. So someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell, me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I want you to hold on to that statement. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. In order for us to understand greed, we have to really understand what it is. And greed really in its truest form is just an inordinate desire to possess more. Uh, the missionary Jim Elliott, who died so young at the very hands of the people he was trying to reach, once wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I think that this is a powerful reminder that all that we have is a gift and that we have to hold the things of this life with open hands. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the things of life. It just means that we need to be open-handed in it. That life is not about possessing more. It's about surrender of all. That our joy is found in giving our lives away, not hoarding. It's interesting that hoarding has become such an issue for modern man and I think it speaks to a materialistic uh, age in which what can be experienced with the senses, uh, what can be seen and touched and tasted uh, is everything. But we know that that is simply not true. A, a powerful film that really captured the problem of greed, one of my favorite films, although it's extremely tedious in many ways, I, I still think it's profound, is Paul T. Anderson's uh, 2007 release, There Will Be Blood. Uh, Daniel Plainview, uh, the main character, is a prospector uh, and he's in search of oil and he has this massive ego uh, and he is a man 
who is drained of his humanity as he continues to seek after power. And the more he has, the less human he becomes. His greed ultimately leads to insanity as well as violence. You feel as drained by the end of the film as the land is of its oil. Because greed in our modern age is now called enterprise. It can be difficult to pinpoint. Christ warns against materialism. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And there, mammon is given a, a, a persona. It's, it is almost like a demonic presence behind our pursuit of material things. It is a god it is true idolatry. It is a horrible master. I asked a friend once who is extremely wealthy, uh, a hedge fund trader, I said, how do you keep your wealth from defining you? How do you follow Jesus fervently when you have so much? And he says, he said to me, Josh, the best thing to do to protect yourself from greed is to continually give it away. Give away what you have to protect yourself from being owned by it. I think that this is exactly what Jesus says in verse 15. Remember, he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And I think that this is the thing that we have to be thinking through as followers of Jesus, that we that we either will transform the material into the image of the spiritual, that is that we will see the possessions that God has given us as a stewardship responsibility, that what I have, Lord, I want to serve you in your kingdom. We can either transform the material into, into the image of the spiritual or the material will transform us into its own image. Those who serve mammon begin to look like their God. They become materialized, if you will. I think the greatest uh, uh, picture of that that I can think of from my childhood was the piano, the flamboyant piano star Liberace, um, who I remember watching him on The Muppet Show as a kid and him always wearing these ridiculous floor-length fur coats and every finger covered in gaudy jewelry. And I just realized I have a, quite a bit of jewelry on myself. But none to the, mine are all cheap secondhand store stuff. But I think of the, the Liberace's flamboyance, but it was like he became this cartoon character of excess. Uh, and, and it's a picture really of, of when we allow mammon to be our God. Uh, Proverbs 119 says, So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. The more you have, the more you become possessed with protecting what you have. Um, I think of that principle even as a church planter. The willingness to make, take radical risks when it came to ministry uh, was much easier when we had nothing to lose. 
Uh, and I think of this, that uh, the pursuit of an artist, it's how often their art is the best when there is a struggle, when they're functioning from a place of having nothing, and how somehow the art suffers when all of a sudden they gain recognition and success and material possessions. There's something that's lost in it uh, when that becomes their new identity. I think for the church, it was as it grew and became more stable, um, it became easier to try to protect and we have to constantly fight against this as, as leaders, as elders, as a church body uh, to hold even the church with open hands. God, this is yours. And we want to live with a radical faith, um, a faith that's marked by a radical generosity. Um, we don't want what we have to take away our life. Inner deadness often is the result of making acquisition our God. Uh, and I think, just think about that. How many times have you seen that? Uh, just an inner deadness uh, that can overtake us when we make acquisition our God. I've seen those seasons in my own life where my obsession with not living uh, the life of poverty that I lived as a kid, um, that can be a driving force. And some of you may have grow, grown up really poor and it just like you just don't want to ever be that way. You don't want it to be that way for your kids, but it can come to it can come at the cost of an unhealthy pursuit of material comforts uh, to provide a different kind of life for your family. But before long, that pursuit becomes the real driving force rather than a love for a family. Uh, and I think that these are why we have to be careful, constantly asking the question, do the things that I own, do they possess me? Or have they come under the control of King Jesus? The natural instinct of one who has been redeemed by Christ through the gospel of grace is no longer self-preservation, it's self-sacrifice. And that's so counterintuitive in the age in which we live. The reception of the gift of grace that gift of God's one-way love toward us should be evidenced in our gracious living for others. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you, but uh, I have a few people from the church that have been working for me on the, the remodel, and we had our house actually robbed two weeks ago, um, which is a very violating thing and makes you feel unsettled. We're not living in the home because it's down to the studs, but someone, a group of people broke in at like one in the morning and stole about $5,000 worth of power tools. And that is more than I can afford, but it is what happened. And the next day I had to go out and buy all new power tools for one of my carpenters. And he, and making light of a very, uh, a very frustrating morning to discover your house robbed said well Josh just look at it this way you're able to bless us with new tools and uh, I started laughing and I'm like you know what I'm gonna take that that's exactly what I'm gonna do I was able to bless my carpenters with new tools um, we can't hold on to things we don't know when something like that's gonna happen we don't know when our life will be taken from us and are we gonna be marked by what we possess and we watch the great movie by Orson Welles, considered by many to be the greatest movie of all time, Citizen Kane. It's all about the deadness of an inner life uh, that comes from the massing, uh, the amassment of material possessions, uh, and yet the person is left alone 
uh, and with nothing. And yet we know that to be true. We see the evidences of that, the emptiness of making life about material things, and yet we still get sucked into it somehow. Let's consider understanding this parable. Because I think the first issue that we see in the problem of the rich fool is that he never saw beyond himself. He was asking the wrong question. Uh, and this is the wrong question that often Christians ask when it comes to the stewardship of what God has given us. Uh, that is this question, how much can I keep for myself? Uh, Verses 17, 18, he says, my barns, my crops, my goods, they're such aggressive pronouns. He was aggressively self-concerned, keeping rather than giving, hoarding rather than helping, protecting his lot, and in turn losing his soul. Uh, verse 19 says, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Can you be self-serving and have Jesus? I think of Jesus talking to the young rich ruler in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, when it says that he looked at him and he loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and take up your cross and follow me. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's which means that you are no longer your own. And if we give ourselves, that's why Jesus said you can't serve two masters. If we think we can be self-serving and have Jesus, we are fooling ourselves. We, we, may, we may be born again, but we are living wasted lives because the divided heart is useless to God. He can do everything with a broken heart, uh, but that divided heart is deeply problematic. Uh, and this is why I always say the key to the Christian life is surrender. Our victorious Christian living now comes through total surrender, daily total surrender. Lord, all that I am and all that I have, it belongs to you, which means I am no longer my own. Everything is his. Everything I have has been entrusted I have been entrusted with by God to steward for Him. The right question is, is, is not how much must I give, but how much of God's gifts can I keep? What we need is a generous I. Uh, and the question that I would have for you is, do you have trouble seeing beyond yourself? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Everything I needlessly spend for myself is taken from some other person's need. You cannot serve God and mammon, but you can serve God with material things. You can serve God with your possessions. He never saw, secondly, beyond this world, in verse 20, it says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, those, then whose will those things be which you have provi been provided? Uh, what I spent, I had. What I saved, I lost. What I gave, I kept. 
you see, here's once again the issue. Material, uh, concerning ourselves with the material gives us a material perspective, which means this life is all there is. Therefore, let's eat and drink and be merry. Let's grab as much as we can get and let's use it for our own good and our own glory. This is the reality of so much of the world and it's hard for us as Christians to break free from that mindset. But what we need is an eternal perspective that this life is short and eternity is forever, but what we do in this life defines the quality of our eternity. Um, and I, I like what Randy Alcorn once said, wealth will always be lost, either it leaves us while we live or when we leave or we leave it when we die. <laughs> I think that's a great statement. We will either use our material possessions to serve the kingdom of God, or we will serve mammon as our God. This eternal perspective is necessary. The temporal just simply does not last. And this is why we need to streamline our lives for kingdom purposes. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves on earth uh, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys um, and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus had a lot to say about money. He had a lot to say about uh, human nature uh, in pursuing and accruing for itself things. Uh, and he tells us that we have to be careful uh, that that what we need to be pushing uh, is the advancement of the kingdom of God. If it furthers the kingdom, this is a great principle that E. Stanley Jones once said, if it furthers the kingdom, it has value and it can stay. If it is useless to that kingdom, it is valueless. It must be made useful or it must go. And I kind of dealt with this last week in gluttony as, as making the things that we participate in serve the kingdom purposes, asking those questions. And it really comes down to Door of Hope's third pillar, which is a philosophy of life, which is simplicity. Um, so in closing, how can we, uh, how can we not be rich toward God who has been rich toward us in Jesus. If we understand the gospel uh, and the generosity of God found in the gospel, it will make us generous people. So what should our gospel generosity look like? Well, first of all, it should just be natural. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 46. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. That is the essence of Marxist philosophy. Uh, the problem is, is that without Christ and the Holy Spirit, someone will always take advantage of that. Uh, and it's because it's the eradication of personhood and it turns life into a mass which someone or some group will try to control. But the Christian value is the uniqueness of each person contributing to the unity of the family. That is, we treat the family of God like it is a family and we care for one another. We are looking for ways to care, to make sure that needs are met. 
Uh, and I would just encourage you once again, Door of Hope if, is a church that where we have been blessed, people have given specifically toward benevolence in the time of COVID, which has continued on and continues on. And now it feels like our state is burning down uh, and it's, I'm convinced that Jesus' return is nearer today than it was yesterday, and it feels like it's really near right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but it has, there's this very ominous sort of end-of-the-world quality to, uh, to what we're experiencing. The question is, is that even in the midst of that, and even if it is the end of the world, will we end well? Because it doesn't really matter what's going on outside. The question is, is, is my life kingdom streamlined? Am I recognizing that what I have belongs to Jesus? And I love how natural the early church was in recognizing that all that they had, it wasn't how much must I give, but it, it, was, it was this willingness to give everything uh, and, and, and a willingness to make sure that all the needs were met. I have tasted the generosity of God in Christ toward me. I want to live under the power of the Spirit, generously toward others. Notice the empowerment of the Holy Spirit created an other-oriented disposition, which is what we need today. Our freedom actually comes from the willingness to give things away. That's where our freedom is. We're enslaved by things that we just can't let go of. And it can be a house, it can be a car, it can be, it can be a, a whole plethora of things. But it's when we live with the things of this world with an open hand that we begin to find real freedom. Not only is gospel generosity natural, but it's also sacrificial. Romans 12 one says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Sacrificial. That means that it costs something. It, 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 it's, it, it's going to stretch us to live sacrificially, uh, to live with a generous eye um, that is willing to release what we have for the good of others, that the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus might be glorified through our lives. It'll be natural, but it'll also be sacrificial. I, I think that um, Tim Keller once said when it came to how Christians should give, uh, and because the New Testament never explicitly states that we should give um, a tithe uh, that has to do with the Old, uh, Old Testament uh, covenantal requirement of the Israelites in regards to uh, money that was given to keep up the temple uh, and keep the priesthood moving. Uh, the question that has often been applied to what we should give to the church, and, and I think that the better principle, I think that A, it's a great place to start. 10% uh, is a great place to begin. Uh, but the, the real principle is that it should be natural, that is, it should be a regular part of your rhythm, generosity, and if you're not giving, you're robbing yourself of the freedom that comes from recognizing that what you have belongs to Jesus. And then secondly, it needs to be sacrificial, but third, it needs to be joyful. Second Corinthians 9, 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. We're not, we're not called to give out of guilt. 
Uh, and what God wants is us to trust Him with our lives and to believe that what we have is, is, uh, is a stewardship issue. Lord, how can I steward what you've given me well? We ask that as a church. How do we steward what God has given us well? How do we make sure that everything we're doing serves kingdom purposes? And this is why it says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what are you doing to transform greed into generosity? How are you stewarding your life because we are told if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been purchased at a price and that everything you have, everything you are actually belongs to him. Well, begin by settling it as something fixed. God is the owner and I am ower. I own nothing. Everything I have is a trust. That's a good way to begin. Acknowledgement uh, of that ownership, ownership begin to set aside uh, begin to set aside whatever God puts upon your heart um, as that which is to be given away for his kingdom purposes. Allow him to guide how you utilize the resources that he has blessed you with. Uh, and then keep enough for yourself to make you more mentally, physically and spiritually fit for the purposes of the kingdom of God. Uh, the great Proverbs writer said, Lord, don't give me so much that I forget you, nor so little that I curse you. And what we need is that healthy balance. What do we need versus what we often feel like we want? Um, and then realize that giving is actually investing. Uh, John Wesley said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Uh, and finally, once and for all, put at God's disposal your talents and your time. Give yourself away. It's the key to true happiness. Throw off the shackles of greed and materialism and spend yourself for the kingdom. You guys, I love you so much. Remember, we are called to be a generous people because God, through Jesus, generously moved into our broken dilemma. Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve. And through his death on the cross, he atoned for the sin of humanity, breaking the chains of death, of sin, and the dominions of darkness. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. After showing himself to his followers, he ascended to the right hand of God, and he has sent his Holy Spirit the helper, the advocate, who comes to dwell in those who put their faith in Jesus. And this is why we are told that whoever professes with their lips that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead shall be saved. We are saved unto life as we become the servants of the King, the one who made us for himself. And to be his servant means that all that I have uh, is meant to serve his kingdom and his purposes and that is where my real joy is and that is where my real freedom is because jesus says i have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly whoever the son of man sets free shall be free indeed are you in shackles 
to a self-centered, materialistic, focused life? Or are you, have you been set free by the gospel of grace? Because on your worst day, Jesus loves you. May your motivation flow out of a knowledge that you are loved. And I pray that you would know his love in these crazy days. May you continue to live sacrificially for King Jesus. And may you live with your hands open, asking the question, Jesus, how can I serve you with my life? Amen. Love you guys. Until next time, this is Josh. Okay, I'm rolling everywhere. Let's go. Ready? Oh, one second. Be still, my soul, when 
Jesus, take me to the deeper world. I want to see your glory. Jesus, take me to the deeper world so I will never thirst. Jesus, take me to the deeper world. I want to feel your mercy. Jesus, take me to the deeper world. So I will never thirst Take my hand Lead me to the promised land Take my hand again Take my hand Lead me from this broken land Lead me Jesus, take me to the riverside. I want to rest beside you. Jesus, take me to the riverside. I want to know your peace. Jesus, take me to the riverside. I want to rest beside you Jesus take me to the riverside I want to feel your peace Take my hand Lead me to the promised land Take my hand Take my hand, lead me from this broken land, lead me home again. I just want to see your face, meet me in this place, change me. Just as I know, I long to know you more and more. I hear your knock, oh Lord. I'll open this door just to be by you. And if I want love, I'll come 
clouds Anchor my soul, don't let me drift away And if I want peace, I come to the King If I want release, then you'll have to be The anchor of my soul, don't let me drift away Jesus, I will stay with you. I will. 